welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Well, I'm glad that you're here uh, for the uh, third part in this series we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm, I'm really excited to talk to you about this this morning. This, is, this kind of got me fired up because normally I'm pretty quiet. <laughs> I hope you've been enjoying this series. Today I'm going to be talking about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And uh, I just want to clarify, we do a thing called the Holy Spirit Retreat uh, every spring and every fall. It's part of the Alpha course. But we, invo- we, w- we want everybody to go to it. If this is your church and you haven't been to Alpha and you haven't been to the Holy Spirit, then you need to. I don't need you to think about it, I just need you to do it. And here's why, because I want you to have an understanding of who I am as a pastor. That's one of the reasons I want you to go through Alpha. Secondly, Holy Spirit Retreat is I want you to hear, it's about five hours of teaching that we do on this topic. Way more than I can cover in 30 minutes today. And I'm not gonna try and, I'm not gonna overlap really a lot of content today from the Holy Spirit Retreat day. So if you've, if you've not been, you still need to go after today. Uh, and go as many times as you need to, uh, because I want you to get the most out of it. And today I'm gonna be talking about the unpredictability of the Holy Spirit and how He works in unpredictable ways in our life when we're full of the Holy Spirit. But I have to start off by telling you that the gifts of the Holy Spirit are exactly that. They are gifts. And they are always good gifts. Now, me in my life, like many of you, I have been the recipient of good gifts and bad gifts. How many of you have ever had to fake that somebody gave you a gift and you had to fake that you loved it, right? You went, oh, awesome, a stuffed squirrel. Just what I always wanted, taxidermy, top of my list. (laughs) Anybody ever had one of those, Shane? There we go. (laughs) Uh, Most of the bad gifts and good gifts that I've had in my life have been channeled through my wife. Uh, She has... And really, and it was very much linked to when she was full of the Holy Spirit and when she was not. You know, uh, because were, when we first got married and I turned 30 and we had my 30, if you've turned 30, you know it's a horrible birthday. It's like that realisation, oh, well, life's over. Because um, <laughs> at 20, you're still like, oh, it's all awesome. And you, you guys all think that 30 is like really old, don't you? Yeah, and you're going to be there one day. Yeah. And then you're going to look down at young people and be like, oh, I used to be them. That's how I do. I look at you and I'm going, oh, I'm as cool as Mario. Really, I am. I could take him in an arm wrestle. (laughs) Here's the thing. 30th birthday, my wife, not listening to the Holy Spirit at all, not even close. I don't even know if she was saved. She gave me, for my birthday, a 10-foot outdoor patio umbrella for my 30th birthday. Like I needed a PlayStation or something to remind me that youth was going to go on. And she gives me something that reminds me I'm going to get skin cancer if I stay out in the sun too long. (laughs) But then by the time I turned 40, and then she was not just saved, she was full of the Holy Spirit. She could hear God. The voice of God was like a quickening spirit within her heart. And she gave me a Tag Heuer watch. (laughs) Yeah, see, that's how you know people are listening to the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. There's good gifts and bad gifts in our world. With God, there's only good gifts. Now, I need you to understand this and grab a hold of this today because we're gonna be talking about gifts that are not optional for you to choose whether you want to have them or not. 
They're not like, oh, I don't know if I want to re-gift that. I don't know if I want to use that in my life. Uh, Matthew 7, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? See, God is only capable of giving us good gifts. He's incapable of giving us bad gifts. Now, let me clarify, Holy Spirit. We as a church believe that when you give your life to Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in you. He dwells in you at the point of salvation. We read about this in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. The Bible says this, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. But we also believe that we need to not just have the Spirit dwell in us at the time of salvation, but that we also need to have a subsequent interaction with God called the filling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, The Apostle Paul talked about this many times. Uh, Firstly, we read about it in Ephesians chapter five, and he's writing to the church in Ephesus, which is a group of Christians. They're people who have already accepted Jesus Christ in Ephesians 5.17. He says, Therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. So they've already got the Holy Spirit because they're saved. Now he's saying you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He has another situation, uh, the Apostle Paul, in Acts chapter 19, where he comes across a group of Christ followers And he has a conversation with them about the Holy Spirit. And it's a very interesting interaction because it may actually be similar to some of you today. Finding some disciples. So this is in Acts chapter 19. Finding some disciples in Ephesus. Paul said to them. So remember he said disciples, by the way. So in other words, he's already talking to people who are followers of the way. You understand? Finding some disciples, he said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, we've not even heard so much as there there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, well, into what then were you baptised? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, well, John indeed baptised with a baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after him, which is Christ Jesus. When they heard this, They were baptised in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. They spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now these people loved Jesus. They already had the Holy Spirit in them. And here the Apostle Paul lays his hands on them and they start speaking in tongues. Now what's very interesting is the, 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 the time stamp of this situation in Acts chapter 19. Very important because it happened in AD 54. Acts chapter two, when the Holy Spirit descended upon the upper room and they all spoke in tongues, AD 30. This is 24 years later. You see, the Holy Spirit coming down and descending on people and people speaking in tongues wasn't just a one-off event. It was happening 24 years later. And there was no arbitrary line when all of a sudden it was like, oh, okay, that's it, I'm not working anymore. I'm not, the, my, the gifts, I'm not, I'm not doing that. He's been doing it ever since. He's still doing it today. See, we 
need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not, it's not an optional extra as far as like, well, I think I can do what God's called me to do without it. And if we're honest, this is the reason why, because it kind of freaks me out. I, I, I don't understand it. Um, I don't know that I want to understand it. I'm very fine with God the Father. I'm totally fine with Jesus the Son. The Holy Spirit part, I just, I don't know, it's just easier to leave it out. But here's the thing. We need, why do we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because there are benefits to being filled with the Holy Spirit. We should all want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Acts 1.8 says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. There is power through being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know why you and I need power? Because for us to do what God has called us to do, we need to do it outside our own power and our own ability. We need to do it with the supernatural power that comes from God. And there's power in being filled with the Holy Spirit. Do you want it? I'm asking you, do you want it? If you don't want it, then you've got to have a conversation with God about the nature of your relationship through salvation. Because otherwise, I think what you have is a very personal relationship with Jesus Christ where you're only concerned about your salvation and you're like, well, I'm good. My salvation is fine. Uh, And if my salvation is fine without me pursuing the gifts of the Holy Spirit, then I don't want them. But the Holy Spirit needs you to be a vessel for Him so that you can reach others for Jesus. And you can't do it without the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's, Here's three things that the Holy Spirit gives you power to do. Number one, gives you the power to be confident. Confidence. I want to, Peter and John had a very interesting circumstance where they went and they prayed for a man who couldn't walk and they prayed for him to be healed and he got up and he walked. Now, you would imagine most of the people who saw that would have been pretty pumped. But the legal people, the lawyers of the day, the religious lawyers, they were not pumped. And they were like, no, you can't be doing that. You come before us. We're gonna try you. Don't be thinking you can just go healing people. This is literally what they were saying. Acts chapter four. So Peter's being accused. With that, Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, let loose. This is what he said, rulers and leaders of the people, if we have been brought to trial today for helping a sick man and put under investigation regarding this healing, I'll be completely frank with you. We have nothing to hide. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the one that you killed on a cross, the one God raised from the dead, by means of His name, this man stands before you healthy and whole. Jesus is the stone that you masoned throughout and is now the chief cornerstone. And salvation comes no other way. No other name has been or will be given to us by which we can be saved, only this one. And they couldn't take their eyes off them. Peter and John standing there so confident, so sure of themselves and their fascination deepened when they realised that these two who were laymen with no training in scripture or formal education and they recognised them as companions of Jesus. But with the man right before them, seeing them, him standing there upright, so healed, what could they say against that? Look, let me tell you that people will marvel at the confidence that you have through the power of the Holy Spirit when He works through you. They will. Now I know that many of you don't feel confident. Confidence doesn't come naturally to you. You're like, it's just not me. I'm just not like, you know, I know that's what you think of me. You're like, oh, he's super confident and he's passionate and like doesn't care what other people think, which is, you know, that's true, I don't. (laughs) I care about what Jesus thinks, you know. 
But do you understand that my confidence doesn't come from me? It doesn't. See, I grew up, I grew up abused by a mentally um, impaired mother who abused me until I was 11. I was called psycho boy at school. People would, my friends at school watched me get uh, picked up from school every day and my, wife, my, my, my mother would tie a rope to the car and then make me walk alongside it. I could have gone two different ways in life. And I'll tell you, the only reason I'm standing here today, power of the Holy Spirit. That's it. I don't have confidence. Yeah, we can clap Jesus for it. I don't have... I don't have confidence because I'm awesome. I have confidence because God's awesome and He lives in me. That's it. Now, here's the thing. Many of you do have confidence, but you have confidence only in a certain area of your life, like Monday to Friday. Your Monday to Friday life, you are awesomely confident. Closing the deal, oh yeah, you're confident. Big board presentation, you're confident. In your environment, total confidence. Can nail it, no problem at all. Things of God, all of a sudden you take a step back. Now you're not quite as confident. Somebody says, hey, listen, could you tell me about Jesus? You've lost your confidence. Somebody says, hey, listen, I'm sick. And you're like, I should pray for them to be healed. You're like, I can't do that. I've lost my confidence. Somebody says, hey, listen, I just don't know if I can make it through. And you're like, I don't know if I've got the confidence to share the Bible verse with that person. But see, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and fills you, you have a confidence. And you know what your confidence leads to other people thinking? You are a companion of Jesus. All of a sudden people go, oh, that person knows Jesus. I want to know Jesus. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we point people to Jesus. It's going to be the theme of what you hear me talk about today. What's the next thing that you need to have the power of the Holy Spirit for? What's a benefit? It's to have eyes only for God. Now, it's very easy to have eyes only for God when life's going well. That's easy. I said, oh, God is good. I'm loving Jesus. Life is absolutely fantastic. But what about if you were facing a situation like Stephen? What if you were facing a situation where you had actually just gone and proclaimed the name of Jesus and said, he's the only way you you can be saved. There's no other way than through Jesus, which is what happened to Stephen. And all of a sudden they said, well, we're going to take you outside the city and we're going to stone you. We're going to kill you right now. Now I want to know, I'm asking you right now, how would you be this afternoon... If because of in church this morning, you said that about Jesus Christ being the only way and this afternoon you found yourself in front of 150 people with stones about to kill you. What would be going through your head? What would you be thinking? Where would your eyes be? I think a lot of people would be like, God, I can't believe you've let me down. I, I'm, I did this for you and this is what I get. You're supposed to be my deliverer. You're supposed to be the one that you know, protects me and I'm going to die because I told people about you. Now, Stephen actually did die. But you know what happened to him before he died? It's incredible, absolutely incredible. Acts 7, at that point when the crowd went wild, a rioting mob and catcalls and whistles and invective and Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, hardly even noticed He had only eyes for God, whom he saw in all his glory with Jesus standing at his side. He said, oh, I see heaven wide open and the Son of Man standing at God's table. Look, there are gonna be things in your life that happen and they will be unfair. They they, they just won't be fair. You'll only be able to handle those times through the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't try and handle injustice through your own eyes. Handle injustice through looking into the eyes of God. 
There are times when you will have to ignore what the crowd is saying. Many of you today, you have people speaking in your life. You've got to ignore what those people are saying because they're pulling you away from the things of God. You don't need to be in church every week. What do you need to be there for? You don't have, you know, seriously. Why don't you just be like everybody else and go 1.3 times a month like the average American? Yeah. Really? You don't need to do that. You don't, surely you don't need to go and you know, move to China to be able to serve God? Would God really do that to you? What do you need to block out today? What is it that you need to block out and have eyes only for God? Because with the power of the Holy Spirit, you can do it. Thirdly, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you have the power to look challenges and opposition dead on and have the right words to say. The Apostle Paul found himself in a situation. He was uh, in the presence of a governor. And this governor had pretty much been hoodwinked by a local Jewish magician. who had, had, He weaseled his way into the governor's uh, confidence. And Paul finds himself in this situation in Acts chapter 13. They travelled the length of the island and at Paphos they came upon a Jewish wizard who had worked himself into the confidence of the governor, Sergius Paulus, who was an intelligent man and not easily taken in by charlatans. The wizard's name was Bar-Jesus. He was as crooked as a corkscrew. And the governor invited Barnabas and Saul in wanting to hear God's word firsthand from them. But Dr. Know-it-all, which was the wizard's name in plain English, stirred up a ruckus, trying to divert the governor from becoming a believer. But... Saul, full of the Holy Spirit and looking him straight in the eye, said this, you bag of wind, you parody of evil, why you stay up nights inventing schemes to cheat people out of God, but now you've come up against God Himself and your game is up. You're about to go blind, no sunlight for you for a good long stretch. And he was then plunged immediately into a shadowy mist and stumbled around begging people to take his hand and show him the way. And when the governor saw what happened, he became a believer. Of course he did. Of course he became a believer. Full of enthusiasm over what they were saying about the master. Look, you may be facing something right now that you, you've been looking away from because you just don't know how to look it in the eye. You look it in the eye through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you trust God that He'll give you the words to say. You trust Him that He will light you up at that time. And you'll be like, I have no idea what I'm going to say, but I'm going to say it. We need it. You need to look fear in the eye today. So many of you are bound up in fear. As a pastor, I'm like, oh, I want you to be free. There's things holding you back. And the Holy Spirit just wants to fill you so that you can actually do what God's called you to do. And I see you struggling. I see it. And I want you to be full of the Holy Spirit so that you can do what God's called you to do. You've got to look your enemies in the eye. What is it that you need to look in the eye? When you're being challenged, the Holy Spirit gives you confidence. When you're being treated unfairly, the Holy Spirit gives you the eyes to see God. And when you need the words to say, the Holy Spirit will help you face a challenge head on. These are the benefits. This is why we need to be full of the Holy Spirit. So what are these good gifts? See, He gives us good gifts and we need them when we need them. See, God gives us gifts that He wants to give us. He doesn't give us gifts that we want. 
I want to read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 12. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. Differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, the word of knowledge through the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, healings by the same Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discerning of spirits. To another, different kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. As He wills, not as you want. You don't get to cherry pick the gifts. Oh, I think I'd like healings and faith. I think that'd be nice. I don't want that tongue one. That tongue one kind of freaks me out. So I'm going to stay away from anything that's got the word tongues in it. This is how we treat it. He distributes individually as He wills. We just have to be the conduit. So let me briefly explain each of these nine gifts. They fit into three categories. And this is important. I wish I had more time to teach on this, but I I, I want you to take this away today. So there's three categories of gifts. The first category is what we call the revelation gifts. Those are the gifts of the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and the discerning of spirits. Word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discerning of spirits. They're called the revelation gifts. These gifts reveal what is unknown in order to bring about an understanding of God's will and His intention according to the Word of God. Okay? The Word of Wisdom. People with this gift and when this gift is being used, they have the ability to be able to make wise decisions and advise other people accordingly. But it doesn't come from just a track record of life. It actually comes through a supernatural wisdom that's given to them by the power of the Holy Spirit. They see clearly through confusing circumstances and they direct others always to God's Word, His will and direction. That's what people with the gift of wisdom do. The Word of Knowledge. What is the Word of Knowledge? People with the Word of Knowledge have a deep understanding of the will and the ways of God and they know things that they could never have known Naturally, they, they have knowledge about things that only God could have given them. They can discern truths about matters uh, that they could never have known themselves. God uses this gift, the gift of the word of knowledge, to help people be guided and to warn them. I use this gift a lot as a pastor. To be honest with you, every time I do counselling, whenever I connect with people, I pray and I say, God, give me what I need to know about these people so I can counsel them. And, and people come into my office and I'll be like, hey, listen, you have a problem with alcohol? I know. No, I don't. No, you do. I know you do because the Holy Spirit told me. That, and they'll break down. How did you know? Who to- my wife told you, didn't she? No, nobody told me. I just knew. Power of the Holy Spirit. Now, that's not to bring that person down. That's to say, God knows about your struggle. Stop trying to beat it by yourself. He wants to help you. Okay, you're listening to the deception of the enemy and you're trying to beat it yourself and instead of just being full of the power of the Holy Spirit who will help you conquer that, you see? Many of you are nodding, go, yeah, he's done that to me, yeah. <laughs> I, I, it, it, it's a gift that needs to be exercised to warn. But it always warns people and points people to the Word of God. It never warns and points people to the person giving the word. 
Discerning of spirits. This gift is also referred to as distinguishing between spirits. People with this gift have the ability to be able to understand right and wrong, good and evil, uh, whether things are uh, heavenly or demonic. It's very important because it helps the body of Christ, God's people, be led in the right direction towards what the Word of God has already declared. Are you seeing a theme here? The gifts always point people to God. They always point people to Jesus and they always point people to His Word. Never away. Secondly, there are power gifts. The three power gifts. These are the gift of faith, the gift of healings and the working of miracles. What is faith? The gift of faith. It's different than the gift of faith that you get when you become saved. We all have a deposit of faith in us when we are saved. This is different. This is a gift to believe for God to do something that is over and above in an exceptional or an extenuating circumstance. So they have a gift of faith, the people who use this gift. Pastor Rob, our lead pastor, most definitely flows in this gift. I've seen him over many years have the ability to rise up in faith and say, I just know that God's called us to do this. And it's not just him being brave or, you know, or like courageous because he's the lead pastor. No, it's a genuine faith that, it, that is flowing through him and it's a gift. Gift of healings. This is, this, people when, uh, when they're using the gift of healings here, this is different than when we're just praying for healing. See, when we're praying for healing, which we're all told, go into all the world, heal the sick, that's praying for healing. People with the gift of healing They're the people who believe through the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit that God really can heal anybody. That extra 10% that a lot of us would be like, I just don't know if God can do that. They have that ability to know that God can do it and they'll pray for it and believe it and see it happening. They're the people like they're praying and people coming, walking in their wheelchairs. Uh, People, you know, those people, they have a gift of healing. Working of miracles. Uh, A person with this gift, and when this gift is in operation, helps people uh, understand that God wants to do absolutely anything in order to point people to Him. So they will believe it, they'll ask for it, and they'll see it through. Speaking gifts. This is the third category, speaking gifts. Speaking in tongues, which is different kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues, and prophecy. So this is where God uses these gifts to audibly communicate to us. Now I wanna go through these. Again, I'm not gonna overlap with Holy Spirit Retreat Day, but different kinds of tongues. Why does 1 Corinthians 12 say different kinds of tongues? Because there are two kinds of speaking in tongues, represented by two Greek words. The first Greek word, that is mentioned in Acts chapter 2, 8, 10, and 19 is the Greek word Doria, D-O-R-E-A. And it means a personal prayer language for the edification of the individual. That is open and available to all. The only time that the words different kinds of tongues is used is in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and the Greek word used in that instance is the word charisma. It's a different, now what does charisma mean? It's a different kind of speaking in tongues. It means a tongue that is now not for the benefit of the individual, it is for the benefit of everybody and must be accompanied by an interpretation so that it makes sense. 
So we couple that. What's the gift of the interpretation of tongues? The gift of the interpretation of tongues is somebody who can hear a tongue in a public setting, have the ability to hear the voice of God and speak what the, what the Word is. That will point people where to? God, Jesus and His Word. Always. It's always in alignment. There's nothing ever that is not in alignment when it comes to the gifts of the Spirit. Never. If it is out of alignment, then you know that whatever you heard is false. It's, real, it's, it's like a simple test. Prophecy. Uh, I think too many people think prophecy, the gift of prophecy is about foretelling of horrible future events. I actually don't believe that at all. I think that the gift of prophecy is something that is used uh, by God to build up, encourage and redirect the church body in love. Uh, it helps the church understand the, the heart of God uh, and urge the church to do something that is pursuing God pursuing Jesus and will point people to personal holiness. I've seen many people have the gift of prophecy and they will talk about personal holiness a lot more than other people. They'll be like, you know what? Is your life, have you got holiness in your life? Is there repeated sin? Romans chapter six, should we go on sinning over and over just because grace abounds? Of course not, the Apostle Paul says. Somebody with the gift of prophecy will point that scripture out to you and say, you've got to stop sinning over and over again because God has greater things for you. Do you understand? Again, I wish I had more time, but I just wanna give you these nuggets so that you've got something on these. See, we need to allow God to use these gifts so that we can do everything He's called us to do. Uh, Ephesians 5, I won't read the whole Scripture, but Ephesians 5 and 15, verse 15 to 19, the Apostle Paul says, I ask that the God, our Master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning, knowing Him personally, and your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is He's calling you to do. That's why we need to have like a, a Paul road to Damascus moment where all of a sudden we see now what God wants us to see. Look, I don't know where, John Newton wrote probably the most famous hymn of all time, Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. Why are those last two lines almost redundant? Have you ever asked yourself that? I don't think they are. I once was lost, but now I'm found, salvation. Was blind, but now I see the fullness of the power of God through the Holy Spirit. Now I can see everything. That's what happened to the Apostle Paul. He was lost, but now he was found. That's what happened to him on the road to Damascus. Three days later, Ananias prays for him and he was blind, now he sees. See? This is why we need to see the full colour of the spectrum of the spiritual rainbow because so many of us have walked through life only seeing black and white. That's the only two colours we've ever seen. And even if we could see the other colours, we wanted to pretend that they weren't there but many of us have never had the opportunity to see all the colours. I want you to see all the colours. That's why we're all watermelon pants today. (laughs) I want you to see the full colours. Do you know there are people in this world and they're colourblind, they're physically colourblind and they've lived their whole life never being able to see colours. They've only been able to see black and white and you can buy these glasses for these people now. The technology is incredible where they can put them on and for the first time in their life, they can see colour. Can you imagine what it must be like? I want you to just watch this video. I can put these on. Yeah, it'll, you'll see how it's it, it was supposed to be. It'll like correct, how we all see it. It'll yeah. correct your eyes so that you'll see how it's supposed to be. 
Imagine what it must have been like for that man to see colours for the first time. That's how I want you to be as a pastor. I want you to put on the glasses and go, oh, the gifts are for me. Look at these incredible gifts that I get to use and I need to use to fill out the calling that God has put in my life. You need them. They're, they're, you can't do it without them. You need those glasses. Listen, I, I want us to grab a hold of this today because God has promised us gifts and yet we treat them with contempt. We treat them as if they could hurt us. But God can only ever give us good gifts. And you know why He gives us gifts? Because He wants to show us how much He loves us. I give my kids gifts all the time. When it's their birthday, our daughter Emma is about to turn 15 in a couple of weeks. You should pray for me. She's about to start driving. You should pay for you. And the Holy Spirit. I buy her gifts because I wanted to use the gift. I wanted to see it. Go, thank you, Daddy. But I want to get closer to her. I wanted to know that I care about her life and then I'll take care of whatever needs she has. And I'll give her more than she needs. That's my heart as a father. Every one of us wants to do that. And God wants to give us gifts. But I think He's, He's given us gifts and we've just, we've just taken the box with the wrapping on and put it over to the side because we don't know what to do with it. And we're kind of scared if we take the bow off, what might happen? But nothing bad is gonna happen, do you understand? The only thing that's gonna happen is you're gonna help point people to Jesus more. How could that be bad? We need to desire it. We need to desire. We're going to sing this song right now and then we're going to close after. But I want to pray. I want to pray that God would quicken your spirit today. Father, I thank You, Lord, for the gifts of Your Holy Spirit. I pray, Lord, that every one of us, Lord, would desire the fullness of the power of the Holy Spirit. And I pray, Lord, that people would just want You to come into their life today in a new and living way to equip them to do what You've called them to do. God, I pray, Lord, that they would sense it. They'd feel it. They'd grab a hold of it and say, God, I want what You have for me today. In Jesus' Name we pray.